0: First on the line, we have Dr. William Parker. He is the former CEO and president of the East-West Institute. He's a retired senior U.S. naval officer who commanded three warships and later a squadron of warships. He also served as the chief of staff for the U.S. Naval Surface Forces. Welcome, Dr. Parker. Oh, it's great to be back on your show. Thank you. Uh,
1: so many things are happening, uh, Dr. Parker. Uh, this uh, It's an embarrassment the Russians don't have an army. Do they have a navy? How can they allow a couple of missiles to shoot down their flagship?
0: Well, it's, it's really interesting. The, uh, when, when you look at this particular missile, the Neptune missile, it is uh, Ukrainian-built, and it's an upgrade from an old uh, Russian variant. It now has a 190-mile uh, range, which is significantly more than the Russian variant or the former Soviet variant. Uh, it has a larger warhead. Uh, and, and, quite frankly, uh, it looks like they, uh, they caught the Russians uh, not paying attention. Uh, and, and not only does it, uh, it show that they don't have their air defense capability uh, in place, but it also says they don't have the damage control capability in place, that, once you take a hit, you're able to respond to it and keep the ship afloat and operating. So it's a, it's a real embarrassment. Not to mention the fact that it's named after Moscow, the city uh, itself, the capital, and was the the head warship in charge of the invasion uh, when uh, when Russia first invaded Ukraine. They
1: have no army, they have no navy, and they have no air force. What do they have? Do they, if they have nukes, do they work?
0: Well, I um, hope we don't find I, I out. I wouldn't say they don't have an army, navy, or air force. They certainly have a lot of numbers. Uh, and numbers matter, but numbers by themselves uh, uh, won't do it all. Uh, do I think their their nukes work? I think at least some of them do. Um, I, I I think that would be a uh, a bad decision to assume that none of them work. But but at the same time, um, I do believe that uh, that the United States, our friends and allies, have the ability to defend against those. I, I, I agree. Parker, uh,
1: uh, that, one more question before, and then I'll let you guys do it. Uh, the uh, there's two reports. One says half of the sailors died and drowned, and the other one has says they all drowned. Do we, do we know me. what the truth is yet?
0: No, we don't we don't know what the truth is. Uh, they're, they're still clarifying that. We do know that the ship went down. Uh, we do know that they had over 500 personnel on board. Uh, we do know that uh, that they responded to it poorly and then tried to tow it and responded to it even worse. Uh, but don 't know how many uh, how many sailors were uh, were lost yet, but like the the uh, army that you talked about earlier, uh, they clearly aren 't well trained uh, and it does show the the failures of leadership at the highest levels uh, in Russia when you 're dealing with uh, military, whether it 's the navy the army et cetera that can't operate and and remember too. Uh, you're also having uh, a Russian aircraft that are getting shot down. So it's pretty interesting considering uh, uh, they're going up against a significantly smaller uh, country. Uh,
2: Governor Patterson, you had a question.
0: Dr. Parker,
2: to what do you attribute this horrible performance and this amateurish behavior on the part of the Russians? Now, they inv- invaded Crimea in 2014, and that seemed to work out pretty well. But I guess when you really think about it, No matter how good you think your army, your navy is, no matter what country you are, if you haven't had military action, which is generally a good thing. In other words, when you've had peace for a long period of time, it's hard to assess what would happen if you injected yourself into a warlike circumstance.
0: Uh, Governor, I think you're I think you're spot on there. And I I will tell you, it's all about leadership. And then, you know, all about that. Um, The the reality is that uh, somebody has failed to oversee uh, and make sure that these uh, Army, Navy, Air Force is, uh, is maintained well and trained well, uh, something that you, uh, you, you don't see uh, in the U.S. We, we uh, organize, train, and equip our military quite well, uh, and they're experienced. And, and I think this is when you do a comparison between uh, the Chinese military and the United States military, while numbers matter, and they have now a larger navy than we do, which we should be concerned about. The reality is they are not trained, and they certainly don't have the operational experience that the U.S. Navy, uh, Army, uh, Marine Corps, etc., has. And leadership, boy, does leadership matter when it when it comes to these decisions. Uh, and and we saw a failure of leadership uh, on on how we how we uh, left Afghanistan, and we see um, a positive leadership on how the Ukrainians are currently dealing uh, with this fight internally. So I I think that uh, at the end of the day, it's all about leadership. Dr. Parker, I have a a two-part question. Were there nuclear weapons on the ship? And as far as the big picture, you know, people, the average American, what does this mean, the fact that the Ukrainians were able to sink this ship? Does it mean that Ukraine has a chance of winning this war? Yeah, so so uh, great great questions, ma'am. On both on both uh, points. Well, on the first one, um, they have not confirmed. They the Russians have not confirmed whether the warheads were nuclear or were not. But the Slava uh, traditionally had nuclear capable uh, weapons, and they had um, they had silos set and weapon systems set to be able to launch nuclear tipped warheads. Whether they actually had them loaded or not, I don't know at this point. Um, the second point on uh, morale. I think, is, is, is huge here uh, now that, you know, the Russians just apparently uh, fired. And I, I've heard uh, recently arrested uh, the admiral in charge of the Black Sea Fleet, which is huge. Um, morale on the Ukrainian side has to be absolutely huge right now uh, in, in able to take down this uh, this flagship. Uh, and at the same time, I think um, the reality is you're going to see. Uh, unfettered and uncontrolled attacks on Kiev in the next 48 to 72 hours. So uh, I don't think this is a win by any by any means, but I certainly think it's a tactical win uh, for the Ukrainians at this point, And it shows the vulnerabilities of the Russians.
2: Dr. Parker, can you imagine any way in this country where people would get arrested because they're losing the fight?
0: <laughs> um, uh, well the answer the answer is yes actually um, I, I will tell you that if um, uh, if you lose uh, hundreds of sailors and you lose a major warship uh, and it, and it becomes clear that it's because of failure of your personal leadership then you're held accountable. One of the things that the US military does very well is hold its senior leadership uh, responsible whether it's a collision at sea or or it's inappropriate uh, uh, decision-making or behavior. But going to the, to the level of arrest for that, uh, probably not, but I could certainly see some significant repercussions based on uh, the failure of leadership, which we certainly saw in this case. I totally agree with you.
2: Dr. Parker, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. There are some reports that the, uh, the defense minister has either had a heart attack or he's been arrested or he's been uh, disappeared. Have you heard anything about that?
0: Judge, I I, I did hear that about uh, 30 minutes ago, um, and and it's still a rumor uh, right now. It has not been confirmed as far as I know. Um, but, but that would not surprise me at all. Also remember that the FSB, uh, the former KGB, has had over 100 personnel uh, arrested, and Putin has said he's trying to clean out the FSB right now, which means there's major internal strife going on within the country. Uh, remember that Putin has said all along that the one thing that he would not accept is a colored revolution on his watch. And it looks like that's the way it's heading right now, that, um, that there are a lot of Russians still protesting in the streets. And there's certainly a lot of leadership saying we can't allow this to continue. Our economy is now uh, really in the tanks uh, and getting worse. And at the same time, uh, we're now looking, appearing to the rest of the world like we're weak and we're losing uh, losing the war. And then that's significant for Putin, who, as you know, um, is, is pretty self-confident and, and would never want to see himself in a situation where he looks weak or his country looks weak so
2: general just one last question i'm thinking back nikita khrushchev when he was running the soviet union was removed in 1964 and uh it wasn't always clear why he was removed what do you think it would take before the generals in russia would start to have the conversation about putin
0: Um, I I think those conversations are probably ongoing. I think it's uh, what what it would take is enough of them uh, uh, getting together and actually pulling the trigger. I think it's very similar to uh, removing Hitler during uh, World War II. There were a number of generals uh, and and senior leadership that wanted to remove him, and they tried several times. Whether or not they'll succeed uh, is another story. And remember, again, Putin is a former FSB, KGB guy. Uh, and knows how to play in this arena and, and was playing in this arena uh, in the Gorbachev days, et cetera. So he understands the dynamic here, um, but, but I think he's in, in, great, uh, in great trouble right now. It's also very interesting to see that the Turks are playing a significant role in uh, providing drones and other weapon systems um, going counter to their close friends, uh, the Russians, which they have been very close in the past. If you remember, when the Russian ambassador to Turkey was executed by a Turkish security officer, the first phone call that was made right after that happened was Putin to Erdogan saying, uh, look, these things happen. We're still close friends. So they've been close for a long time. And when you look at the S-400 missile system that the, the Russians were uh, providing to the, uh, to the Turks, which, which became a major issue uh, with the United States, these are the type of issues that it looked like Turkey was leaning much more uh, pro-Russia than pro-NATO. And now they have swung back to being uh, very much pro-NATO and actually kind of leading the charge, if you will, locally uh, on what weapon systems to include those drones were available early on in the fight.
2: And also the sea lanes, they're controlling the sea lanes, aren't they?
0: Absolutely. A great point, great point, and you're absolutely right. And with the SLOC sea lines communication, uh, that plays, that's, plays a huge role, especially if you, as you move ships past Istanbul up into the Sea of Marmara and then eventually up into the Black Sea, someplace I've operated a lot in my career um, uh, with destroyers, et cetera. Uh, and it's, it's a complex place to, uh, to operate, both submarines and surface ships. Uh, and, and part of the reason is because of the saltwater-freshwater inversion. But uh, there's other reasons, too, one of which is you're, you're close to the littorals all the way around you while you're in the Black Sea operating up there. So you have a lot of countries surrounding you.
1: Dr. Dr. Parker, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Thank you. You've served our country and continue to speak out for our country. God bless you. Have a happy Easter. And God bless America. Thanks, thank sir. Thank you.